0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Bible Doesn't Say That, and here's your host, Jack Potts. It's me, Jack Potts, and welcome to episode number two of The Bible Doesn't Say That. Obviously, we still can't find more contestants, so welcome back to the stage, Stephen and Savannah. Man, it's great to see you guys again. For this week's episode, are you guys ready to play? The Bible doesn't say that. Yes. yes. First up, Stephen. Does the Bible say a fool and his money are soon to be parted? Hmm. I'm gonna go with yes. Stephen, you are. Oh. Oh, wow. Here's what the Bible does say. It warns us against the love of money. Something you might try as a U version app, bro. Check it out. All right. Savannah, does the Bible say God works in mysterious ways? Jack, I'm going to say no. Whoa! Oh. Hold on. Everybody, stay calm. We just got one right. Rodney, tell us what you want. Well, Jack, Savannah's up $5, but Steven still has absolutely nothing. It's getting intense. You know what else is intense? Camping. Well, thank you for tuning in this week, too. The Bible doesn't say that. Make sure you tune in next week for episode number three. This is Jack Potts reminding you to read your Bible.
1: Well, good morning, church, and hey, all I got to say is some of you just need to laugh a little bit. Uh, you need to laugh a little bit. Hey, I get it. Uh, we are just living in a moment uh, in our culture that everything is heavy. Uh, it's heavy. Something's canceling today. Something's not canceling tomorrow. and. Man, sometimes we just need to laugh uh, just a little bit. Well, hey, welcome to church this morning. If you're online with us, man, thanks for being with us, uh, with your family. If you're in one of our rooms this morning, we are excited just about this new sermon series uh, that we're looking at. We're looking at this whole question or this whole idea of that the Bible doesn't say that. And and here's the goal. We said this last week, but just kind of want to walk through uh, some of this again. The goal is is for us to take some of those phrases or maybe some of those sayings, some of those cultural colloquial phrases that maybe your grandma said to you, maybe it was your mother said it to you, or you had that one uncle that always had weird sayings, and maybe it's even on a Pigeon Forge t-shirt. And for some reason uh, it just became so important to you that some Somehow, at some point, that coffee cup phrase became a Bible verse. That's really not a Bible verse. But the problem with a lot of these phrases that we're looking at is that they make sense, right? I mean, they actually do, and they can bring some temporary hope or maybe some temporary kind of happiness or joy to our lives. But last week we said that it's important for us. To look at these things because as Christ followers, we've been called to live lives that point in the direction of Jesus. That have biblical kind of foundation. That has a theological soundness to us that really a coffee cup is not just going to give us. We looked at some examples of these last week, and by the way, for all of you guys who sent them to me this week, thank you uh, for all of the research and being part of today's message, but we looked at some of these sayings last week just to kind of get the ball rolling. We looked at this idea last week that maybe if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's not in the Bible, all right? I know it makes perfect sense in most of our homes, but it's not there, or maybe this phrase, if you believe it, you'll receive it, or if you can name it, you can claim it. That's, That's not in the Bible. Uh, we looked at that last week. Or how about this one? We looked at uh, somebody sent me this one this week. Grandma's just up there looking down on us. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Number one, I don't want grandma looking down on me at certain parts of my life, uh, but there are other parts of my life that nobody does. Right? That's not. It, it's not in the Bible. Uh, we looked at this idea last week that will God. Just needed another angel. No, he didn't need another angel. And never say that ever, no matter what funeral you're at. Or how about this one? You know, I know that uncle of mine, man, he's never said a good thing about anybody on this planet. He never went to church. He's never even known the word Jesus. But man, he died and he's just in a better place. I mean, we say these things, right? We say these things and we equate them with the Bible, but that's not in. The Bible, we made the case that from the outside looking in, some of them make sense, but they skew or they reshape our image of God, and it's not true. Well, we drilled down into this saying last week that that we all got our toes stepped on a little bit because we've said it last week. We've said it probably at some point. We drilled down really deep into this phrase last week that God will just not give us more than we can handle. And and, and we realize that while that is a really good saying that we can say into somebody's life when they're kind of having this moment, we realize that that saying is not in the Bible because really and truly God does give us more to draw us to himself and to point us towards his power. And we said last week that the moment that we say that statement is the moment that we take control away from God and we live a prideful life saying that I can do everything and don't need God. When well, we walked out of here last week just begging each other just to put the sail up and to quit rowing, right? To allow God to take us, allow God to move us, and just to allow our efforts to be secondary. But but here's one thing that I that I didn't say last week that I, that I think That I need to say. I I think that we need to realize that obviously during this series, there's gonna be days that hit you more than others. There's gonna be some things that are more relevant to where your life is than others, but also there's a couple of warnings for this series that I that I didn't realize I probably needed to say out loud, but now after some of the comments I got back last week, I probably need to say out loud. Number one, I just need to warn you that this series is not for you just to gain a whole bunch of Bible evidence so that that you can bash someone over the head with it, all right? That's not it. I get it. Last week, some of you walked out of here going, oh yeah, I'm going to tell grandma that that she should never say that again. I get it, but do it sensitively. But it's also not, this, this series is not a, It's not a permission given to you just to lay some smack down on a a particular group of people, okay? So it's not for you to go home on Facebook this afternoon and be like, let me tell you what Pastor Matt said to you, you bunch of lying sinners going to hell. No, that's not. That's not what this series is about. This series is also, it's not just about you kind of gaining just kind of more biblical knowledge. It's really for you, this series is really just for you to be shaped it moved in a direction where some of your thoughts and some of your things that you are walking with will be replaced with God's thoughts. That's it. And I hope last week you walked out of here just encouraged to know that no matter what happens to you in life, God is going to be there with you. And my goal in life is to replace my thoughts with his thoughts and just to allow him to walk with me. Well, with that being said, this morning's topic is, it's a big one. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're going to have to put your big boy pants and your big girl pants on this morning, because this morning's topic is a heavy one. It's got a lot in it, and the reality is, this morning's topic is an eternal topic that we have to look at, and it's huge, and it comes with so many different implications and kind of trails and rabbit trails that we can go to. This morning's topic, it usually comes out when we get a little bit older, when we have friends that believe a little bit differently than we do or maybe we stepped into that Psychology 101 class, amen? Does anybody remember this one where whatever the professor's name was, their whole goal in life was to try to make us look like the biggest moron on the planet, but yet they ended up by the end of the semester looking like one because they don't have any beliefs, right? That's just kind of where it ended up. Maybe that was just mine and not yours, but this morning's topic comes when we really are trying to build some common ground with someone, but Unity is not always the greatest factor. Here's, let me just go ahead and give you this morning's phrase, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. This morning's phrase that is not in the Bible is this. So when someone comes in this moment of life, and they say something like this, you know what, it really doesn't matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere. It doesn't really matter what I believe as long as my heart is in it right you've heard something like this it doesn't really matter what i believe as long as i'm giving it my all as long as i am happy in it as long as i'm not hurting someone as long as my sincerity level is just reaching the top it really doesn't matter what i believe as long as i right i is always in this as long as it's sincere and you know you've heard it, right? You've heard this phrase. It might not be in those exact words, but you've heard it. And you've also seen it. I got some pictures for you. I want to show you just kind of in an introductory mode this morning and you've seen this idea of it really doesn't matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere in some things like this. I mean, the first one on the left there, it's it's a picture of a mountain and God is at the top and eternal life is on the top and you've heard people say it over and over again. It doesn't matter if I'm Islam or Hindu or Christian or if I'm Buddhist as long as my whole heart is in this thing, all the roads are going to lead towards the same place. You've heard somebody say that before. You've heard somebody say the top right one. This is a humanist website here that just really says, hey, you can do what you want. You can choose what you want. It doesn't even matter what trail you take. Somehow, someway, the world and selection and all of these things are going to make you end up in the same place place. Just be sincere to yourself. You've heard. That said, maybe even you have seen this bumper sticker. Someone in the last service had to get up during the prayer and run out because they had one on their car and they were pulling it off. I'm just kidding. But if that's you, do it quietly. But This bottom this bottom bumper sticker down here is the same thing, right? It's like this idea of hey, just be sincere to yourself. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim or if you work at Peace, Love, and Pizza or if you are any of these things. It doesn't matter any of these things as long As as I'm just coexisting, we're all going to end up one day in the same place. So just be sincere. You've heard this. All roads lead to heaven. You've heard this idea that, you know what, all truth is relative to you, the individual. You choose your truth. I'll choose my truth. After all, aren't we going to end up in the same place? You've even heard it said like this. Hey, why don't you just mold Jesus into who you want him to be? Now, look, we want to say that out loud, but we try it all the time, don't we? We do. Instead of us molding into the image of Jesus, what do we do with Jesus? We try to make him mold into our image. You see, this brings up so many questions, and it brings up so much thought in our minds. and It brings up this idea of, can I even question someone? Can I even say that someone's wrong for what they believe? And here's the idea. If you believe sincerity outweighs the the idea of who God is, no you can't. But this is really big thinking. Alright, and I'm telling you, we're going to go a little bit deeper this morning than just three ways to happiness. Alright, it's going to be a little bit different this morning because a lot of this boils down into a couple different things. It boils down not into the fact that people disagree with there's a God. No, most of the people that you meet in this world are going to agree that there is some sort of a higher power. You might meet some that are out there that, that may not, but most of them will agree with you at some foundational level that there is a God. There is a something that is out there. Most of them will even give You Jesus. They'll even say that yes, there was a guy that's named Jesus. He was a historical figure. He taught well. All right. They'll even go that far. Am I right or am I just like running in a different circle than you? Yeah. Most people will even kind of give you this idea that there's a Jesus, okay. But the problem is, it's not the existence of God or existence of Jesus. When we look at the world climate or when we look at our workplace or when we look at our school or we look at even our friend group, the problem is, here it is, and I put it. On the screen for you, there is a hostility towards any belief system that claims that there is, and I put it in quotes, a way. All right, now let me say that again. The problem is not with there's a God, the problem is not with there is a Jesus. The hostility comes, all right, this is where we're going, in the fact that there is a hostility towards any belief system that claims that there is a a way. Now you may want to circle that word a, you may want to highlight it, you may want to just think on it because here's what I know about this. Spiritual life is the only place in this life that we have a problem with there being a way. Right? We don't have a problem when we're in traffic following the traffic signals that tell us which direction to drive in. If it is this way, then I want to drive in this way. You don't have crazy people out there going, no, 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 I'm changing it today. I'm just feeling sparky. You don't have that happening. In math, we don't challenge that there is a way in math, right? I mean, even if you're common core, you don't challenge it. It might take you nine years to get to it, but you don't challenge the fact that two plus two, I just lost every educator, two plus two equals four, right? You don't challenge that. I mean, it's gonna equal four. Now, whether it takes you seven columns to get there or you just add it up the old way. I mean, either way, right? It's going, it's going to be We don't challenge that there is a way in math. We don't challenge that there is a way in traffic. But there is, listen to me, there is this unmasked hostility towards any belief system that claims, here it is, that there is only one way to salvation. There's just this hostility, and here's the deal, and and here's why. Because in our culture, I'm going to give some words to you here. In, In our culture, there is a push towards the idea of inclusivism. There's this push towards this idea that all faiths will eventually kind of intertwine into one place, that all roads will eventually go here. There's this push towards liberal Protestantism. That's just a big way of saying there's a push towards you being able to take the Bible and crack it open and interpret it however you want to, in whatever context you want to, in whatever way you want to. The issue is not what does the Bible say to you. The issue is what does the Bible say right? But there's this idea that you can just interpret it how you want. You can go all Benjamin Franklin on it and just cut all the verses out that you have a problem with it and produce another one. That's what it says, right? There is also this way in culture that is pointing us towards this universalist mindset that we're all part of the same system. We're all pointing in the same direction and all religions are really pointing to the same God. And here's what's happening. Satan is using these things to confuse us. He's using these things to cause so much destruction and to lead us down a road that God has never designed us to be on. He's causing this to happen. And Satan is causing division inside the church and outside the church. And really and truly, I need you to hear my heart. It is breaking the heart of God. It's breaking his heart because this is even infiltrating into the church. In fact, um, there, there was some research done a, a couple years ago by the Pew Research firm. They're, they're incredibly reputable firm that does a ton of research uh, in the United States on Christianity. And here's what they said, and I quoted it because I, I want you to see how this is kind of infiltrating. They said this, according to Pew Research, quote, over two-thirds... Of evangelicals. Now, what's an evangelical? I need to define that. It's a Bible believing person that believes in Jesus as Savior, all right? Over two thirds of evangelicals under the age of 35, listen to this, believe that non Christians can go to heaven. They believe that non Christians can go to heaven. So what does that mean? They believe that even though Jesus says he's the way, that as long as I'm sincere to something, that I can go to heaven. Over 75% of 35-year-olds and below believe that other people can make it to heaven based on the sincerity of their heart. And this is not just in the secular world. This is in the church. Reminded me of a story of a of a young kid that came home from seminary, and his parents were out of town. He was watching his parents' dogs, and he decided to go to a different church since he kind of wasn't really in his church he grew up in. And it was a solid kid in a Bible believing school. And he sat down in this church that he'd always just seen off the square in his town. And he sat down and he looked in the bulletin. This was pre kind of coronavirus days when you had something to touch. He looked in the bulletin, and he realized that he was in trouble because the pastor's message that day was entitled, all religious beliefs are true. And the kid just looked at himself. He's like, are you serious? And so he's like, well, I can't get up now. I'm a visitor. It's a small church. What am I going to do? So he sits through the message the whole time. And here's just this this heretical teaching of this pastor that is saying that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe something. And and he's squirming in his seat because he loves Jesus and he loves the Bible. And after the service is over, he gets up to walk out the back door. And and it's a small church. And after the prayer, the pastor stands at the back of the room in his robe. And he's all hugging on. On each other because it's pre-coronavirus, and, and he's walking out the door, and the pastor goes, hey, son, what's your name? He tells him his name. He says, where are you from? He goes, oh, I'm from here. I'm just kind of home from seminary this week. He's like, oh, the pastor looks at him and says, well, son, what are your beliefs? And and the kid looks at the pastor. He's like, you know, I'd rather not say, and he's like, no, son, just tell me. He goes, I, I, I really don't want to. The pastor looks at him and says, son, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to offend me because all beliefs are the same. the kid looks up at him and says, well, here's what I believe. And he puts his hands around his mouth. He goes, sir, I believe you're going to hell. (laughs) And he looks at this pastor, which makes us all uncomfortable. But here's the point in it. This pastor realizes right there the fallacy of what he just taught. Why? Because if all religious beliefs are true, then how can he say this? And this kid just said he's going to hell. How can they both be true? Do you realize what this is saying and what our culture is saying? The pastor realized that day. This incredible lesson that our today's phrase needs to get us to, and that's this. Hear me out. All religious beliefs cannot be true. They can't. Why? Because there's so many religious beliefs that have contradictory statements in them. You say, man, what does that mean? That means this. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Hindus. All right? Hindus of the world. Love Hindu people, all right? Some great people. Here it is. Do you know that Hindus believe that there are millions of gods? And whenever you're going through that day, you just need to dial in with whichever one of these gods that you feel like that kind of fits you and fits your family the best. And regardless of what your belief is, as a Hindu, you are caught up in this cycle of being reincarnated based on your religious works. All right? We would we would say that that's that is a Accurate description of Hindus. All right, I'm not cutting them, not saying that. I'm just saying that's what they believe. Buddhists. Here's what Buddhists believe Buddhists believe that there is no personal God. They believe there is no personal God. And basically they're saying due to karma and how you act, you will be rebirthed in a new way based on how you live. And if you get good enough, eventually you'll be spun into a great band of nirvana, right? You'll be, I mean, a great nirvana, right? There it is. Some of you didn't get that, but you will later. Here it is. So if Hindus believe that there are millions of gods... And Buddhists believe there is no personal God. You're seeing where this is going, right? Because what do Christians believe? Christians, as Christians, we believe that there is a personal God. And his name is Jesus. And he came to be the sacrifice for my sins. Though I am a sinner, he came to ransom me, to give me forgiveness, to be put on a cross, to resurrect from the dead so that I can have a personal relationship with him. And we believe as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, that I will one day be reunited with Jesus in heaven one day for eternity in a sinless body that has been redeemed. Now you're seeing this, millions of gods. No God, Jesus is God, but what do the Muslims believe? Muslims believe that there is a God, and his name is Allah, and everybody that is not a Muslim, this is accurate, is going to hell because they do not know Allah. Now, when you kind of mash all these together, I, I need you to feel this point, because this is going to hit you at some point in life. When you mash those things together, there are contradictory beliefs in all of those religions that cannot be all true. It can't do that. In fact, the world religions have more contradictory beliefs then they have complementary beliefs. I mean, if you just think about the nature of God, the nature of sin, the nature of afterlife, the nature of how we are to live and how we are to love people, if you take all four of just those four religions, they cannot be true at the same time. In fact, if you remember back to that Psychology 101 class, you will remember that there is a thing called the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction, we're not going to spend any time on it. You can look it up later. It just means that contradictory claims cannot exist and be both true at the same time in the same sense. That means you can't call something red and something blue. It has to be one of those things in the same sense. So here's what I'm saying to you this morning. No matter how religious that I am, no matter how I am and how devoted to something I am, there are some things that I can be devoted to that have nothing to do with God. That have nothing to do with the God. But here's what I also know. You're not supposed to say that in America today. You're not, are you? Why? Because we're taught that we're to be tolerant. Tolerant. Right? And tolerance has changed, right? Over the years, tolerance used to mean that you can be a UGA fan and I can be a Georgia Tech fan and we can just agree to disagree but love each other. But tolerance today means that we need to love everything and everybody and be everything, right? That's the difference. So we're taught to be tolerant. And it no longer means that I just put up with you, but we're taught now that we should accept everything as okay. But here's the deal. Spiritual life is the only place that we live this out in. It's the only place. You say, man, what are you talking about? Here's, here's what I know about myself. No matter how hard I believe it, no matter how sincere my heart is, remember we said sincerity is the key, is what culture tells us. If I woke up tomorrow morning with the most sincere heart ever, listen, I'm 5 foot 10. Tomorrow I will be 43 years old. I can't jump no matter what my heart tells me I will never be an NBA basketball player. Why is that funny? I I won't. No matter how sincere my heart is. It's not going to matter. Let me say it like this. No matter how sincere my heart is, if I get up on the church building this afternoon, if we go out of this service, you stand around in a big circle, and I believe with all of my heart that I can fly. <laughs> if I jump off the building, it ain't going to go well. Right? It's not. No matter what my heart tells me I'm not going to fly. Gravity's going to win, because that's true, right? It's going to win. I mean, our prisons are full of people that were sincere in what they did. Osama bin Laden was incredibly sincere in thinking that he was killing Americans on purpose. Listen, if you this afternoon collapsed of a heart attack, now I'm not saying that needs to happen, all right? If you collapse of a heart attack and they said, you need surgery in the next three hours, and I showed up at the hospital to pray with you, And something in my spirit told me, hey, tell the doctor to go away that you got this. And you're laying on that operating table. If I walk into that operating suite with a big old mask on with some rubber gloves and a scalpel in my hand, you are not going to care one bit about the sincerity of my heart. Why? Because I'm about to kill you, all right? I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know it. But that's what happens in society. Only religion do we look at this idea that sincerity outweighs the object of my heart. Let let me me say it like this. Here's the principle. The sincerity of my faith can never overshadow the object of my faith. Now, you need to write that down because that can change your life. That can change your conversation. That can change some of the t-shirts you wear. The sincerity of my heart can never overshadow the object of my faith. What does that mean? No matter how sincere I am to something, if it's the wrong thing, it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter. Listen, there are many who worship images of gold and images of stone and images of wood who are lost. There are many Hindu gurus that are sleeping on a bed of nails for seasons of their life, but they don't know Jesus, and they're lost. There are many Muslims who stop and drop and pray every single day in a direction towards Mecca, but if they don't know Jesus, they are lost. There are many Jews who celebrate every single festival that God has ever given in this planet, but if they don't know Jesus, they're lost. There are many Christians that just live moral lives who don't know Jesus, who are totally dedicated to being moral and not drinking, cussing, or being around anybody who does that are going to go to hell because they don't know Jesus. That's the point this morning. The point is, is your sincerity comes second over the object of your faith. It always comes second. This is the exact example of what Peter and John are trying to say in the book of Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, verse 1, they've been drawn in to have to give a defense to a whole bunch of really, really sincere, religious, and absolutely passionate people. And listen to what they say. I just want to read this over us. It says this. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, these are really, really, really dedicated people, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed Because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in the jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 people. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priest family, the most devoted people on the planet, to this cause was there. But they had the wrong cause. Listen to this. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him. But what power did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, If I'm being held accountable today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. What are they saying? Paul's right there. Here's what they're saying. You got all the rules you want. You got all the regulations you want. You got all the devotion you want. But the problem is you got the wrong God. That's what they're saying. And then they make one of the most truthful and exclusive claims in all the Bible that clears it up. Acts 4.12. Salvation. Is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given to mankind by which, here it is, we must be saved. What are they saying? Sincerity is incredible. Sincerity is fabulous. Devotion is what God called us to. But our devotion can never outweigh the object of what we are devoted to. If you got the wrong God, it doesn't matter how hard you run toward it. Is what they're saying. Peter and John are saying, Listen, I know you're sincere, but you've got to be sincere in knowing that Jesus is the way. They're agreeing with Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where it says that, And she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. They're confirming John 14, 6, where Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. They're verifying Acts 10, 43, where it says the idea that all the prophets testify about him. That everyone believes in him and receives forgiveness of sins through his name. They're celebrating 1 Timothy 2, 3 where it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior. Listen to this. Who wants all people to be saved? Who wants all people to come to a knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Jesus Christ. Christ. And they're giving us the warning out of John chapter 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. Look, let me be really honest with you. All right, I'm just going to put it all on the table. While there's some incredibly beautiful things about every religion that gives people hope, we should respect the rights of people to believe what they want. It doesn't mean we don't need to be friends with them. But, listen to me, we are foolish and even unloving if we don't bring up the idea that only God, Jesus, is the way to eternal life. Because if we don't do that, all that we're doing is affirming that they're walking in the wrong direction. We're affirming it. If Christianity is true out of love, we should be pointing people up the mountain of Jesus and not up the mountain of culture. We can't. I want you to think about something this morning, just for a minute. I want you to think about it. If you believe that sincerity outweighs the object of your faith, let me give you some things that you have to give up. Number one, if you believe that it's about sincerity and not the object, you have to give up the lordship of Jesus. If you're a person that says, that hey, all roads lead to heaven, you have to give up the lordship of Jesus. Why? Because what you're doing is, is you're bringing Jesus down to the level of every other little g-god and every other moral teacher when you say that all other roads lead to him. But what do we see in Acts 4.12? It says, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven in which we must be Saved. So when we look at culture and we say that all roads lead to this, what we're doing with Jesus is we're taking the lordship of Jesus away from him. But number two, not only are we taking the lordship of Jesus, we're taking the authority of God's word. We're taking away the authority of the Bible as God's word. Why? Because the Bible, all the way through it, says Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. All the way through it. So what are we doing? When we get to a point in our life where we say it's just about me being sincere, we're taking the lordship of Jesus and we're taking away the Bible because the consequence in this is if you're saying that Jesus is not Lord, you're not agreeing with the Bible. You're not doing it. You're abandoning the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. You're abandoning the Gospels that are watching his life. You're abandoning the early church that is pointing back towards his life, death, and resurrection. If you're saying that sincerity matters more than the object of your faith, you're taking the Lordship and you're taking away the Bible. But number three, you're taking away, listen to this, the work of the cross. You're taking away the work of the cross. So Matt, is it that big of a deal? Yes, it's that big of a deal. Why? Because when you say that other ways can get you to heaven, you are looking at Jesus and basically saying, why did you do that? Just let that sit just for a minute. When we look at other people and we go, yeah, that can probably get you there. That can probably get you there. We're looking at it. We're taking the lordship away. We're taking the authority of the Bible away. And we're looking at the work of the cross and we're saying, I did not need you, Jesus. I could have done it on my own. That's heavy. That's heavy. But also, there's number four you have to abandon the Great Commission. When you say that it's about sincerity and that all roads can lead to heaven, there is no reason for us to share our faith. There's no reason. Since Jesus is the way, and he's left us here on this planet to share the way, Matthew 28, 19, where it tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you. When we say that as long as we're sincere, we can get there, there's no reason for us to share our faith. Why? Because other people are just as sincere as we are. You know what also we're doing in this, in this Great Commission? Is we're looking at every missionary that has martyred, given their life and martyred them. And we're saying, you shouldn't have done that. It didn't matter. This is bigger than we think, right? But number five, listen to this. It's not finished. We're, We're literally abandoning the literal hell. When we say that sincerity outweighs the object of our faith... We're abandoning the literal hell. Now, I want you to look at this list just for a minute. Leave it up there for me. Because here's what I'm saying. When you look at all roads and you try to mash all of these things into one sentence and say that they can all get you there as long as I'm true to who I am, as long as I'm sincere, you've given up the lordship, you've given up the Bible, you've given up the cross, you've left the Great Commission, and you've denied a literal hell. What have you done? You have literally dismantled the foundation of our faith. You say, man, is this that big of a deal? Yes, it is that big of a deal. So when you sum up all of these five things, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is you just need to choose a team. And it's not about sincerity. I'm not saying sincerity doesn't matter. But I'm saying our sincerity, listen, has to be wrapped in the object that makes a difference. And here's the object. The object is not me. The object is not you. The object is not culture. The object is not making people feel good about anybody I am. The object is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. Here's what Peter and John are saying. They're saying, I mean, you got a bunch of rules. You got a bunch of regulations. Those things are fabulous. You got a bunch of ways that you live. I love that. But they're saying, until you hit a point in your life where you choose to answer the call of Jesus, then your life is not pointing in an eternal destination towards the Lord. That's what they're saying. Listen, here's the deal. There's going to be a moment where you've got to point your sincerity in a direction. And here's what I'm proposing today, that Jesus is the only one that can satisfy that. Look, I, I don't know what background you come from. I'm not bashing on any background today, but here's what I am saying. If your background is not Jesus, it's not going where you think it's going. If your background is not Jesus and your life is not pointing towards Jesus, your life is not going to end up where your sincerity is pointing it to. Why? Because you got the wrong object. All faiths don't lead to the same place. So here's the question today. Do you need to give your life to this Jesus? Is something inside of you weighing into your soul today that you need to choose the team today? Is something inside of you, is it drawing you to know that Jesus is who he said he is? Is something inside of you that is just making you say, I need to meet Jesus? Listen, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Oh, wow, this is so good. Instead, he's patient with you. He's not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Matthew seven thirteen. it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter into it. What does that mean? That means that God is begging you to follow him, to trust in him, to point your devotion and the object of your faith and your sincerity toward him do you need to meet Jesus today listen if you're a believer in the room um here's here's the deal you got to live in a culture that feels this all right there's there's nothing you can do you're not going to change culture but there are some things that you can walk out and I want to give you some of these maybe you can talk about them over dinner I just wanted to shotgun them to you really fast because here's the thing we don't just throw our arms up in the air and go well that's just where culture is going so so be it what do you do as a believer knowing this number one you got to know what you believe you got to know. What does that mean? That just means the discipline and following who God is and studying his word. Gone are the days of just saying, well, I'm a Christian. Oh, great. That's fabulous. No, no, no. You need to know what you believe and why. Number two, you need to understand where other people are coming from. I love when Paul stands up in Athens and he knows enough about the culture and he knows enough about the city to be able to have an educated moment to be able to lead them in a direction who Jesus is. Listen, we, we can't just put our heads in the sand as believers and try to exclude all of life and feel like that we can reach this culture. It can't happen. You need to understand where are other people coming from. So know what you believe. Understand where other people are coming from. Here's number three. This one's important. Watch your words. Watch your words and your posts. Watch them. Watch them. Why? Because here's the deal. The Bible already tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the gospel is offensive to people who don't know it. So let's do our best not to make it any more offensive than it should be, right? But we have a knack for this. We do. I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying, I'm just saying be humble and gentle and patient and love each other, Ephesians 4.2, right? That's what I'm saying. Point people towards Jesus by using your words wisely. And here's number four. Earnestly love people. Man, look, it's great to win an argument. I love to win arguments. But Jesus didn't call me to be a winner of arguments. He called me to be a fisher of men. So here's the question, and here's a walkout this morning as we get ready to close. Has there been a moment in your life where you chose Jesus as the object of your sincerity? Because here's the deal. The lie that Satan wants you to believe is as long as you're sincere, everything's gonna work out, but it can't. Do you need Jesus today? Lord Jesus, walk with us this week. Show us this week that you are king and you are Lord and you are Savior. And you want to know us. Lord Jesus, for the heart that is in this room, that is dealing with a salvation moment today. God, I just pray that they realize that if they just confess you with their mouth, that you, Jesus, are Lord, and they believe in your heart that, God, you raised Jesus from the dead, that, God, today they can be saved. God, if there are people that are questioning that, if there are people that are wanting to take that next step, God, God, I just pray that they would reach out this morning and just say, I need Jesus. God, for the believers in the room this morning, God, help us to show other people the love and the grace and the exclusivity of who you are, Jesus. Help us to point our sincerity towards you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.